Douglas Couplin peels off his clothes and steps into the burbling cold stream, stepping onto polished rocks and into water so clear it seems it might not even really be there. This water is cold as the ice it was only yesterday when it melted near the top of the mountains. It is cold as pain is cold and yet it roars like a voice with only one message, one truth, never ending. In this water, Couplin makes his confession, here is my secret, I tell it to you with an openness of heart I doubt I shall ever achieve again, so I pray that you are in a quiet room as you hear these words. My secret is that I need God. That I am sick and can no longer make it alone. I need God to help me give, because I no longer seem capable of giving, to help me be kind as I no longer seem capable of kindness, to help me love as I seem beyond able to love. In this water, his confession falls fast from his lips into the still, forest air filled with the roaring wind of water sounding like clapping hands. Hands that care, hands that mold, hands that touch lips, lips that speak words words, as Couplin writes later, that tell us we are whole. Copeland's confession is very much I imagine like those who came to the river to be baptized by John. Those who came seeking God perhaps with the words of the psalmist falling fast from their lips as confession, like a deer that yearns for running streams my soul is yearning for you, my God. My soul is thirsting for you God, the God of my life, when can I enter and see the face of God? Words finding their echo 21 centuries later in the words of a 22-year-old woman crying out, I honestly tried the churches, but they just couldn't speak to me, all I want is reality. Show me God. Help me to understand why life is the way it is, and how I can experience it more fully and with greater joy. Into this thirsting, this seeking, this desire to see God, to experience God's presence, to finally discover the meaningfulness of life, to find the healing that will make one whole, into this water steps Jesus. This life-giving water swirling with the ancient stories of creation's waters, the Noah flood waters, the Exodus waters of the Red Sea, and the waters of the Jordan River crossed by God's people claiming the land promised to them, the exile waters of Israel's captivity and dispersion, the restoration waters of Israel's redemption by God, who comforts the people with words spoken by Isaiah, the Lord who created you, O Jacob. The Lord who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and when you pass through the rivers, the water will not sweep over you. Why? Because God loves them, claiming them by name and by love long before any of them could see the sun shining, the dew glistening on the bark of a tree, or hear much beyond their mother's cooing voice. Yet, God never for one instant ever gave up on them but called to them time and time again in wind and water and fire, in a still small voice, and the words spoken by prophets. Now, God comes in the most singular way possible. When Jesus steps into the Jordan River the water is no longer river water but signify that the story of our ancestors becomes the prelude to the new story defining who we are and leading us to the meaning for our lives. The mystery of Christmas is God coming to be with us as baby born to a young couple in an out-of-the-way village while angels reveal God's presence in the world to rough and tumble, unrighteous shepherds and pagan men. Their epiphany revelation comforts us with the assurance that we are not alone on our journey of life. Neither the chaos waters, rising up to our necks nor the fires of our struggles and troubles will ever come close to destroying us because God is with us, comforting us with the angelic and prophetic message, do not be afraid, for the one whose love is greater than our hearts and minds can comprehend his sojourning with us. Ready to listen to our stories and ready to be our companion on the way. The grace of Jesus is the solidarity of God with those who are the lost, the least, the imperfect, the not quite ready for righteousness, the left out, left behind, not thought about people, who stand with water dripping off their faces, watching Jesus going under the same water they went under, foreshadowing his death on the cross. 
the cross where God acts decisively in the penultimate moment of human history that forever changes and transforms life because the cross is the dividing line between all that happened before Jesus' crucifixion and the new life that flows from it. Jesus Christ faithfully journeys to the cross bringing to full meaning all the healing of the sick, the lame, the deaf, and the blind, the healing of broken relationships between people and the healing of discordant lives of outcasts and sinners because it is on the cross where the ultimate healing of humanity takes place. It is on the cross where God reconciles us to God's self in the full measure of compassion and mercy even as Jesus bears the deadly consequences of the world's sin in His own body, carrying our heavy burdens of guilt, anxiety, regret and shame with Him to the tomb, burying all of it forever. Then, they watched Jesus rise, as they did, from under the same dark water breaking free into the light of day, not fully comprehending Jesus is affirming that sin and death do not have the final word. God has the last word and that word, the one made flesh, is life. For when Jesus rises from death to new life it is the dawning light of God's new creation beginning. A creation shaped and molded by God's committed, self-giving love and faithfulness for us and for all creation, transforming all our lives into the unity of a new people whose life story is founded upon God's acts of creation and redemption. God keeping the promise of God's presence throughout this lifelong relationship of self-giving love and faithfulness. It is the power of reconciliation, forgiveness, and mercy bound in love gathering people together into one body bathed in these waters of grace that trickle down off our faces even as we hear a strong voice declaring, You are my beloved. With you I am well pleased. We are God's beloved. God's blessed child. This is our true identity. I think that's why Martin Luther said, Remember your baptism. Because as he wrote in his catechism, a truly Christian life is nothing else than a daily baptism once begun and ever to be continued. Martin Luther wanted us to remember each day who we are, and whose we are, and how beloved we are. For in this intimate encounter with God's love within the swirling waters of new life all learning falls away, all dogma, all formulas, everything that is external and abstract, all the differences between us that we so often use to build walls, everything that exhausts itself in words comes to an end. For it is not your ideas, not your understanding, not your thinking, your reasoning, not even your profession of faith that quenches the thirst, the seeking, the desire for a life of meaningfulness. It is God alone. When we embrace this mysterious truth, we come to the peace that no matter what happens and no matter how low and discouraged you feel, no matter what is happening in our life, we are the precious and beloved child of God. For we were loved and claimed by name before we were formed in the womb. We were loved and claimed by name even before we were born. And we will be loved and claimed by name beyond death in the dwelling place of love and life that is God's heart.